This is Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector, and I connected with Josh and Eric from Podmax at a podcasting conference. Hit it off with them right off the bat, and now I can't stop going to Podmax. Podmax is a one-day event designed to teach you how to be a great guest on a podcast, get you featured on at least three prestigious podcasts, such as the Chief Executive Connector podcast, and get you networked in this world with other guests and hosts. Bottom line, if you own a business right now or in, in business development, you should really have a podcast strategy. It's the new PR, except way more genuine and a less expensive way of acquiring customers. For example, I get 800 downloads on my show per month, and my audience is like middle of the pack for PodMax. So think about doing three podcasts, like getting three keynotes in front of 500 to 1,000 people each. It's huge. So I highly encourage you to check out PodMax at podmax.co. I'll link it in the show notes podmax.co right now and sign up for the next one on December 4th. If you have any questions, reach out. And if not, I'll see you there. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google, and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am your host, Pablo Gonzalez, and your Chief Executive Connector. And today we're doing something a little bit different because of my partnership with PodMax. While my podcast is usually about people that I've had in my network and things that I've learned from them, I get the opportunity to meet really fascinating people today for the first time and use this as a workshop on how to get to know somebody. And I'm super pumped to get to know our guest today, Matt Roddick, who's the founder of, did I say that correctly, Roddick? It's Rodak, but everyone does ah, Rodak. So like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, Rodak yeah. like Kodak. It's, it's like <laughs> all right, all right. Matt, Matt Rodak, yeah. uh, founder of Fund That Flip, that is a funding mechanism that enables house flippers to get their deal done, and they connect the funder to the flipper at scale. From what I understand, they've been in the Inc. 500 two years in a row. We're going to dive into that. He's raised over 500 million dollars in debt and equity and he lives out of the new york city big apple matt what's up dude how you doing dude happy to happy to be here thanks for having me and uh i guess now we can say we're, we're in each other's network right so like, it's, it's, it's the first first time but good to, good to have you in mind <laughs> likewise man likewise dude i'm really pumped to talk about some of the stuff that we are that we're about to uncover here man um but as i intimated with you a little like 5 15 seconds ago 
uh, you know, I have this thesis on human connection, right? Where the quickest way you bond with someone is to either add value to their life, which I'm sure you're going to do in what we're going to talk about here, and or share a vulnerability, right? So if you can help our friend that's listening right now connect with you by sharing something that you're struggling with or something you've struggled with in the past, and, and then we can get into all your superpowers, man. Yeah, and maybe I'll talk about some things that are going on right now, right? So we're, we're um, you know, I started the company back in 2014. We've built it from, you know, myself and, you know, a small team into a 45, 50-person company now. I forget kind of where we're at. And, and throughout that, right, um, you know, uh, culture, culture either, either create culture within a company or kind of it metastasizes and becomes its own thing, right? Um, and, 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 and I knew this going in, right? And I thought, man, like, let's, Let's set up our mission statement. Let's set up our values. Let's set up kind of what we care about and what, you know what the, the personality of the company wants to be. Um, and, and I think um, as, as good of a job maybe as we've done, like what I've what I've realized is um, we haven't as a company developed a good muscle of like dealing with like hard stuff, like hard conversations. And I've realized what that is is actually it's a reflection of like me. Right. It's like as the CEO of the company, like the reason that the company doesn't deal well with like tough, cha- like I would say tough challenges, like we run hard in the challenges, but like tough conversations of whether it's like, hey, I don't like how you spoke to me in that meeting or like, hey, we have this this big, hairy like problem over here and like no one really wants to talk about it because like maybe this is what makes me a good entrepreneur is because they're so focused on like the, the positive and like what's going right and like let's keep everyone excited and going and like let's just pretend these things over here aren't happening because like they're too like too difficult of a conversation and it's become a real problem now within our organization because you know what 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 these little problems now become big problems big problems and the other thing that I realized is like across the leadership team we're not talking to each other we're not talking to each other you know in a way that we trust one another and it's not because we don't we're not good people or we don't all care about the same things but it's because like we haven't created permission, right, within the company to say, hey, Pablo, like you're doing this thing. I don't like it. And like, let's have an adult conversation about it and like come to a resolution. Right. So we've created this whole uh, I read a book last week called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And like they talk about how like companies are political and like, you know, and, Paul, and I was like, well, we don't have a political organization. And then I read the book. And I was like, oh, crap. Like we've got a very political organization. Right. So like to some extent, like it's a it's a reflection, I think, on um you know, my leadership or my inability or my unwillingness to like kind of like create the safe space for people to talk about the hard things. And like, I think this is one of the things I really liked about a company is like, it's hard to, it's hard to look in the mirror, right? And understand what your weaknesses are. But like a company is a reflection ultimately of you as the leader, right? So like anytime there's something wrong with the company, it's probably a reflection back on like <laughs> something I'm not doing particularly well. Um, you know, which is right now something that, unfortunately for me, is something that we, shouldn't say unfortunately, but like something I thought we were doing really good at and trying really hard to get right, and we didn't get it right, and like that kind of sucks and it hurts, but like now at least we know about it, right? And we can go and try and do something about it together, right? As opposed to like you know me trying to fix it on my own. So um. Dude, that is an excellent share. <laughs> like yeah. first, you know, first of all, I I want to commend you on really bringing it on that one man um and 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 second of all you're clearly 
a self-aware dude, right? To come up with to come up with that on the fly of that is the pain point of what you're doing and take ownership of the fact that this is a reflection of you and put it on your shoulders as opposed to your leadership team or the people that you pay money to handle this or what, you know, like you hear a lot of that type of talk, man. So to, to, I want to start with commending you for, for bringing that up on multiple levels. Why do you... How did you notice this is an issue? Right, like, what? Where do you go from here? Like, it sounds like you're just starting to grip this thing, right? Are you like reading a book to deal with this? Are you hiring an outside consultant to deal with this? What's kind of your plan going forward here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a weird thing, right? We we brought um, we had some new people join the leadership team probably like two years ago, right? And we, we do quarterly management meetings where we get everyone together and we talk about strategy, right? And we, you know, we talk about what's working, what's not working. Let's put a plan together for the next four, eight, 12, 16 months, right? And um, I remember after one meeting that I thought went particularly well, um, you know, we ended the meeting and everyone kind of went through different ways of all day meeting. And uh, one of my one of my senior guys who's been with me the longest and we've got a really strong relationship called me up and he's like, hey man, like just had beers with a couple other people on the team and like they want to know, like are we actually going to be talking about like real substantive stuff tomorrow? And I was like, what are you talking about? I just thought we had like a great meeting, right? So like there's been this like underlying feeling from people particularly when they're new that like, like when are we going to actually dive into some of this like stuff that's like real and it, 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 this is how slow I am, or maybe unself-aware I am. It's like I don't know what they're like. I don't know what they're talking about. Like we're having good meetings. Everyone's talking. Everyone's contributing. Right? We're coming to you know good conclusions. We're laying out good plans. We all seem to be on the same page. But underlying all of this was like we hadn't created enough of a safe space, right? Of like the so the, the other part of your question that you asked is like how I'm dealing with it. Like I just I just read the book Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I don't know if you've read it before, it's an incredibly powerful book, but it lays out kind of this pyramid of like, the bottom is trust, right? And if you don't have trust, you know, across your team, any team, sports team, leadership team, right? You know, team within a department, whatever. If you don't have trust, then you can't have the next part of the, the, the pyramid, which is um, difficult conversations, right? So because you don't have trust, you don't have the difficult conversations. If you can't have the difficult conversations, you don't get buy-in. Right, because people are like, well, no one heard my side of the story. So like, even though Matt decided we we're gonna go in this direction, I'm not bought in because I never got to actually like, you know, tell the tell the team why like I think that's wrong. And the reason I didn't do that is because I don't I don't have that tr- vulnerability. I, I can't be vulnerable, right, with with the group, right? And maybe look like an idiot. And then that kind of stacks itself up into um, and I forget what the fourth one is, but then the fifth one is like an inattention to results. So you don't have the buy-in, right? So then like, there's just a lot of these like people doing their own thing and like, we're not actually getting to what matters for the company. So um, we're trying to put some frameworks in place around kind of this book and the leadership team's all reading it. And we got an offsite next week and we'll bring in a consultant to help actually facilitate the meeting. So it's not me standing up there, but I can participate right with the rest of the team in it. So, um, and then it's not a silver bullet, right? And it's like, well, how do we, like how do we build upon this coming out of the meeting? And, and probably a little bit like AA, right? Let's all admit we've got a problem, right? Yeah. And it, let's all agree that we have a problem. And then what are the you know the, the twelve steps, if you will, to, to, to kind of come out of that, right? So um, and it'll never be over, right? I mean, one of my early bosses told me like, hey Matt, people are remarkably consistent over long periods of time, right? Like I truly believe that's true, particularly your show's networking, right? Like 
people are remarkably consistent over a long periods of time. So like, I will, I will revert back to that old, or I'll try to, right? So like, how do we build systems? How do we build processes? How do we build accountability frameworks to, if we agree this is something we want to get better on, hold, hold all of ourselves accountable to that. So, um, Awesome. Awesome, man. So a couple of things. My my biggest client, who is somebody that I was going to introduce you to already because of the space that you're in, they're a company called JWB. They're a turnkey rental income property uh, investment company that have you know grown to 85 people. They've been on the Inc. 500 list for the last like nine years in a row. They were up for like Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year. They won Best Place to Work every year. They wow. they so I'm their content strategist, and recently we brought on their culture consultant, this guy called Rusty Bozeman, who. I would love to introduce you to as well, right? Like a yeah, little, little feather in your cap would be great, man. Um, and then the other thing that I, that I feel like, cause I always, I love the dynamic between how a body of people operate versus a one person operates. And I don't think it's very dissimilar, right? Like the body is a system of a bunch of other things. So is an organization, right? And in my, in my KPIs of life, right? Like I have like a physical and spiritual one. My physical one is how many times a week I'm surfing. My spiritual one is how often I get a call from someone that wants to like ask me about something that they're unsure about, like whatever it is, right? Let me pick your brain about this thing I'm thinking about, right? Enabling that conversation. And without a doubt, when I ask people why you came to me for this, whether I'm an expert in it or not, it's always, I always, I, you seem like a super open and open-minded guy that won't judge me for whatever I bring to you. Right. So like, I think it starts to get to that trust, to get to them, to like speak to that. It seems like non-judgmental reaction from whoever you're bringing it to is, is the highest like enabler of that function. Do you see yourself as a guy like that, but maybe there's other people that haven't been that like, is, do, do you recognize that? behavior in you or the people around you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I don't know. I think, um, I think, uh, I, I like to think of myself as someone who's non-judgmental and pretty open to ideas and willing to listen. And, um, you know, um, I, I think, I think what it is for our organization actually is that, um, a lot of my, I'm in New York city, but a lot of our company is in Ohio and I'm originally from Ohio. So I think a lot of it actually is like, we've hired a lot of really nice people right? Like they're just nice people. And a lot of it is like, they don't want to like be mean, right? So like this perception of like, Hey, like you said, you're going to hit this goal and you didn't like, they're nice. So they don't want to call someone out. Right. Or like, Hey, you spoke to me this way in this meeting, or you, you said something to someone on my team this way. And like, didn't appreciate it. Like they're too nice. Right. And like, I think for us, the muscle we have to build is like, you know, you think you're being nice, but you're not right? Because you're not being nice to the company and you're not being nice to the rest of the people that work in the company and you're not speaking truth and honesty to the, the person you're interacting with. And like, you know, so, so I think it's a little bit of like just as humans, right? We're all, we're all adverse to confrontation, right? And like, that's why the trust is so important because like, if you trust that everyone's coming from, you know, we like to say assume, assume positive intent, right? So if, if you, you trust that the person believes like you do in the right things and you know the direction that we're going in and that confrontation doesn't isn't a problem right because it's like hey we're fighting this out because we both want the same thing right as opposed to we're fighting this out because you're a jerk right and i don't like you and like i don't think you're carrying your fair share of the deal right like so you know i think that's the the nuance it's so nuanced right of like 
you know, we got really good people and they're capable and they're competent and they're nice. And like the nice is like what, what's, what's wrong. Right. Like in, in, or the perception of what actually nice is maybe is what's wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 yeah, Man. Yeah. It's like giving them the tools to, to go through this stuff, whether it's like naming it or defining it or whatever. All right, man. I want to, I want to move on to more of like badass stuff that you've accomplished. How would, uh, how'd how'd you get into the space, man? Like what was, did you, were you flipping houses and you just saw a need for like this platform? How'd you, how'd you get this thing started? Yeah. So, um, my journey starts back in high school, actually. I had a landscaping company in, in high school and ended up doing a lot of work for house flippers, you know, cutting the grass and, you know, cleaning the yard up. And, you know, we were trucks and trailers and cheap labor. So we get involved in the demo sometimes. And right at 16, 17 years old, I got to see these nasty, ugly houses turn from, you know, things that were depressing property values to increasing property values. And the, the house flippers themselves were never shy to be like, hey, Matt, guess how much money I just made on that deal? You know, I was like, Oh, that's more than I'll make over the next three summers cutting grass. So like house flippers love throwing that number out there, man. Love it. I love it. So I was like, I don't know. That's cool. Like I kind of like work on my hands and there's a number aspect of this and a deal making aspects is like, kind of like, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to, I want to invest in real estate. So went out to school, studied finance, uh, you know, hoping to get into some type of real estate development post-graduation, um, graduated in 2007. Um, you know, not a great time to get into anything real estate. Um, so Took a corporate job, you know, worked at corporate, um, uh, uh, had a corporate life for seven years, great company, worked my way up, ran sales and marketing for um, a $900 million business, got to travel the world and, you know, work on technology and work on systems and CRMs and uh, product market fit. Just a really, really cool experience that I, I learned a ton at. I'd like to say the biggest thing I learned was that I didn't want to be an insurance executive the rest of my life, um, right? So started planning my exit out of that world and into my initial passion, real estate investing, doing some deals on the side, flipping houses, investing, partnering. Um, and through that experience, I learned of the hard money lending industry, right? So um, back back in, I was living in Providence, Rhode Island at the time. To get money for a flip, there was one or two guys in town. One of them was named Gino. Gino charged you four points, 14% interest. Didn't have an email address. You had to fax him an eight-page paper application. It was just like... What am I doing? Right. For the like, record, the visual image I have in my head of Gino is very specific, right? It's probably, it's probably right. It's <laughs> yeah. probably right. <laughs> um, right. You know, so like on one, I'm a customer, right, of would be now from that flip. And I'm like, this is, this doesn't make sense. There should be a better way to apply online and get a quick answer and have a, you know, dashboard and money shouldn't be this expensive. Like, this is crazy. So they're, you know, doing that kind of, painfully right and then i was also doing some investing in these things that were called peer-to-peer lending or marketplace lending there's things called lending club prosper you could buy consumers credit in 50 dollars increments and get right a return so i'm getting a nine or ten percent return on this unsecured consumer credit investment that i was doing an alternative investment and i'm paying gino 18 percent for a first position mortgage with 20 percent equity right and i'm like this doesn't make any sense like on consumer credit on a risk-adjusted basis like worse risk than asset-backed real estate, yet interest rates twice as high. Um, so like this kind of light bulb went off, not rocket science, right? But like, what if we could bring this asset class to the masses for them to invest in, like, you know, Lending Club did effectively for consumer credit. And if we can do that um, with technology, right, we can create a better experience for, for the borrower. Um, but we can also institutionalize this asset so that it it's standard enough that both 
retail investors can understand it and invest in it and feel good about it, but also institutional investors can start to deploy some capital here. Brilliant. So that was that was the business. I Brilliant, kind of bro. moved out of New York City and the rest is rest is history. <laughs> Dude. Wow. That's really, that's, that's, that's brilliant, man. I love, I love the, I love the find the problem story, man. And, and, you know, where that comes from and, and then the gumption to make a move, man. So what was your, what was your first move on getting that going? Were you looking for a CTO? Is that your first move? Or did you look for institutional funding? Like talk to me about that. I didn't know what to do, right? Like I had a, as an entrepreneur, but you know, starting a landscaping company when you're 16 or, you know, living at home with a paid for truck and trailer is one thing. And, you know, moving out of New York city and trying to start a financial technology company is very different. So, um, you know, I, from Ohio, lived in Rhode Island, moved down to New York primarily to kind of start the company. And, you know, what I did know is that if I had a powerful network, my, my chance of success would be infinitely higher than if I try to do this on my own. So what better place than to build a network than New York City, right? So like I moved to New York, I was at meetups two or three a night, six or seven nights a week, right? Talking to people, plugging in, what's the scene? What are the accelerator programs? What are the, what are, what are the resources that exist in this ecosystem that can help someone like me figure this out, right? Um, I got turned on to a group called the Founder Institute, which if someone's, you know, in a situation like I, I still have my day job, right? But I was down here. Uh, the Founder Institute is this great organization. It kind of provides this uh, 13-week program um, to week one is like come up with business idea. Week two is like validate business idea. Week three is build financial model to see if business idea can ever make money. Week four is right, like, so each week they kind of help you like, here's what you need to do with the idea being like, kill this stupid idea before you quit your day job, right? So we started with 50 people in the class, we finished with like 12, right? Um, but it's a great service in my opinion with, you know, I got this app idea and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Fail don't, fast. don't quit your day job, right? Fail yeah, fast, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. right? So it was Founder Institute, we got through that. And then it was, you know, um, start they start to help you think through what are those next steps and then just bring on you know i was able to bring on a couple build an advisory board that had even bigger networks than i had right and they helped kind of expand things and jay scott who's with us right on this whole thing is, is an early kind of advisor to the company um you know so and then it just kind of starts to snowball you find a deal you find some investors you put them together on some really crude technology and you're like oh that worked and then like you find another one right and you make the technology a little better and you know you know, and then we got into an accelerator program here in New York City as well, which just exploded our network, right? So we went from Founder Institute, which is very like incubation and some advisors to a New York City accelerator program called ERA, which like one phone call away from every venture capital person in the city, right? And like, that was just massively important, both from a, you know, our network, but like I was pitching the company eight, nine, 10 times a day. Um, and getting feedback on like, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Here's how I'd be talking about it. You know, here's what I need to see. Right. Iteration, so, man. Iteration on your pitch. It's huge. It was just like three months of just like, like just that. Right. And then I it came out of that and raised a little bit of money and kind of, you know, was able to grow the team. So, um, I mean, I guess, you know, on topic with, with your podcast is I'm, I'm not the smartest person. I'm a, I'm an, I'm an introvert actually. Right. So like networking is not something I actually enjoy doing. Um, but like, I do know that, like you said, right. It's either being vulnerable or give, like I enjoy, I enjoy giving back to people, right. I enjoy trying to find those connections of like, Oh, Pablo does this thing. And I know this other guy or gal that does this thing. And like, 
kind of like you just did, right? Like we should put those two people together and like yeah. maybe something cool will happen out of it, right? Like, so like that, I enjoy that kind of aspect of the networking. So, um, you know, now becoming part of this Founder Institute group, which now I'm a mentor for, oddly enough, right? And that's awesome part of the ERA network that's launched, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of companies now, but like all of those companies are part of the family and right. I can talk to their CEOs and their vet. It's just, it's, it's, it's a multiplier effect, right. Of, of, I don't actually want, you know, Pablo, you and I will probably never actually do business together. And that's not why I network with Pablo. I network with Pablo because Pablo has people behind him that like mm-hmm. I probably will do business with. Right. Yep. Um, but I don't get to see those or play with those people until, Pablo and I trust each other, right? Enough to open that up, right? And um, it takes time and investment and giving, right? I think before ever asking. Um, I think that's really well put, man. I, you know, I want to, I want to kind of like distill a couple of things of what you talked about. One thing that I've learned recently is that one of the best ways to build a network, right? Like, and it goes right in line with leading with value, right? But like, if you have, if you're fundraising for an interesting idea, it, it opens up so many doors, man. And once you're like, you're, you're you know, you talk to one dude that that is a accredited investor and they're just like, all right, well, I'm not into it, but maybe this guy's into it. And then you start eating up that, eating up that food chain, man. It really, really opens it up, man, which yep. I would love for you to, did you have, did you have like one person that really bought into, I guess, I guess you were in the incubator and then the accelerator. So it's kind of systemized for you in a single, in, in a way, but did you have like a person to person kind of like first person that really paid attention to what you were doing that opened up some doors for you? Yeah. I think the advisory board was kind of a, a big piece, right? So I mentioned Jay was, was instrumental yeah. in, in helping us develop credibility with the borrower community, right? He's written books on house flipping, right? So we're trying to get customers on that side. And, and um, so we had Jay and another guy that, you know, brought a lot of credibility to that side. And then we had some people on the investor side that, you know, one guy was super plugged into an angel network in New Jersey and he had a, you you know, a handful of accredited investors. Like those guys were kind of like our seed money, right? They're like, I pitched them a fake deal. And I was like, Hey, if I bring a deal that looks like this, will you fund it? And I got enough yeses, right? So then I was like, okay, like, let's go find that deal, right? I love it. You chicken or the egg it, right? And yeah. you, know, you fake one side of it and then you get the other side and then, right? And then eventually you got enough, you know, marketplace liquidity where there's enough money that you can bring deals and mm-hmm. um, et cetera. But I love, I love the idea of pitching a fake deal, man. Cause I did, I, I leveled up my network in a pretty big way in my early thirties when I just started being idea guy that was like, Hey man, what do you think of this? <laughs> right? Like, like I was, I was, I was in construction. I was director of sustainability and I wanted to be more useful in other ways. And, and how I got past that is another story. But at one point I'm like, I wanted a drone, right? Cause I surf and I do whatever. And, um, and I pitched my CEO on like, dude, if we buy a drone, I can, we can shoot these like great things about our projects and whatever, and we can use it for marketing and this and that. So got me a drone. Then, then I started using the drone to create content about our buildings and then I had the idea, I'm like, man, this drone shit's going to blow up, right? Like, so I started, I started pitching everybody I met on like, I think my vision is that there's going to be a drone services companies that are going to pop up everywhere. And at some point, somebody's going to roll them all up. So if you start a drone services company right now, 
you can, you know, like that, that you, you can have an exit in five years when GE decides that they need to just buy up the dry clean USA of drone services. Right. Yeah. So, so just with that conversation, I got in so many rooms, right. With no intent of ever being the exit that the guy that executes it. Right. So I love the idea that if you come up with a fake deal just to get some attention and if you get enough attention, you can then go out and source it. Right. Like if, if somebody was like, dude, I want to put 10 million bucks in this, I would have gone out and found me a drone operator and got me, you know, like it opens doors, man. I think that's really brilliant. Yeah, and I think the thing that you know I didn't understand. I think a lot of people don't understand it is when you're fundraising, you feel like you're this person that's like going out and being like, "Oh, give me money! I need money! I need money for my idea!" And like, you know, please give me the money. It's the wrong attitude to have, right? It's like the money is fungible. The money is the commodity, right? There's more money out in the in the particularly right now in the system than like there are good ideas and like good opportunities. So like, I finally that finally started to shift in my head. It was like, oh, like what I what we're building, right? The assets that we make available to investors is in super high demand, right? Like people want uncorrelated asset backed, short duration, high yield, right? Places to park their money. Like I'm coming at this wrong. I'm coming at it with like, please, like in like investors can almost feel the like, this guy almost doesn't believe it himself. Whereas it's opposed, it's like, I have this awesome opportunity that like, you know, we're letting you invest in, right? And like, it's it's a weird mentality, particularly for first-time entrepreneurs or people that aren't comfortable asking for money. Um, they, I think you just have to shift. And now I do like angel investing and I'm on the other side of it. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, I hope I don't miss out on that guy's deal. I talked to him about investing. I told him I wanted in. I haven't heard from him in two months. And like, now I'm like, you know, I'm on the other side of that. I'm like, I hope I don't get like left out of this massive opportunity. And like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs undervalue that right of like what you have people want um they also want to see other people getting in and right some some semblance that you know they're not alone in their thinking um but there's always this like oh, i don't want to bother mr investor anymore like he, he doesn't seem interested he hasn't he hasn't written a check yet and it's like he probably is and he's probably actually worried about missing out and he's waiting for you to follow up right mm. um so it's a it's a i don't know it's a I love it. for me that was very, you know, took me a while to figure out. I love it, man. Approaching it as a dream weaver instead of an asker, right? Like you're yeah. just like you're you're yeah. you're getting in the door to pitch them a, to let them fantasize about what their money can do for them. Right. Is is a much stronger position to walk in on than like, man, I hope that they can do something for me. It's like, no, what can I do for you? I love it, dude. Exactly. That's really it's gotta be authentic and you gotta believe in it. You gotta, you know, I'm not suggesting, you know, snake oil sales here, but like yeah, you build a good build a good product, whether it's your company that you're selling and raising money for the product. Yeah. Right. In our case, is a financial asset. Um, you believe in it and you've done it right. It's it's not a sale. It's like we have this thing, and I think you should want it. Right. Yeah. 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 And I just thought of another dude I want to introduce you to. We'll talk about that later. Um. So, I wanna I wanna take a hard left into something that I've never really talked. Like I speak about this is one of my speaking points, but I, I never have this conversation with anybody like this. Are you familiar with the concept of black swans? Yeah. All right. So, so Naive Talib that wrote this book called The Black Swan, that's like an investment philosophy based on like limited exposure to positive black swans and really reducing your exposure to negative black swans in the majority of your portfolio, talks about how one of the reasons why the cost of living in New York City is so high is because you are systematically exposing yourself to positive black swans by being in such a densely populated place where you have to interact with people in the elevator, in the subway, in the in the car, anything like that. Do you 
you just talked about it, right? The people capital of New York is extraordinary, man. Is that a tangible, when you first got there, was that a really tangible feeling right off the bat? Yeah, that's a really, I've not read that book and I, and that's a really interesting kind of thing to think about. Um, I think it's real, right? I mean, I think, um, I think there's a reason people continue to pay. I'm sitting in my 600 square foot apartment right now on the Upper West Side and it'd make you sick probably to know what I pay for this place, right? And like, but people keep doing it, right? And they, you know, they keep doing it for a reason. And um, I think it is that. I think it's the, the amount of opportunity that's here, right? And just in terms of um, jobs, right? But also um, the amount of opportunity to be around people that are going to be pushing you in ways that like you didn't think you could push right or ideas that you didn't think were doable or right just even just culturally right different perspectives on you know things is is, there's no other place in the world like it right and it's uh it's an incredible place that unfortunately right now is having somewhat of a tough time with with covid um but you know i I like to say like I, i would never bet long term against new york city this place is so very special and um, you know, I, I think there is hundred percent something to that. Right. And a lot of people wash out. Right. And I think the reason for that is, you know, we talked about setting standards earlier in the company, like New York sets a very high standard for performance, right. Yeah. However, however you define performance, whether that's how good of a network you are or how good of a computer programmer you are, right. Like the standard is just, it's very high here. Um, and, and I think, what that does for people is it pulls out of them more than they think they thought they could do. Right. Totally. Totally. And, and you said it yourself, right? Like you, who is a beast of an entrepreneur with a great company, I'm sure you do well. You're living in a 600 square foot apartment. So like who's living in the thousand square foot apartment, right? right, like, right. Do you, do you have any, do you have any like happenstance business stories that came out of like sidewalk interaction, elevator interaction, cab interaction that happened in New York city that led to some kind of business deal? from a random hello kind of thing, or have they all been in orchestrated segments, right? Because I'm interested, you as an introvert, if it's happening to you, then it's unavoidable kind of thing, right? Yeah, I don't know that I've had any like super serendipitous kind of things, right? But like, I'll go back to like the accelerator program, yeah. right? Like yeah. people would just walk into that office and like Marauder John or it's you guys that run the program, be like, oh, like you should go talk to Matt. And like, I'd sit down with this guy and he, he was a you know co-founder of like, some company totally not real estate and be like, why am I, why is Murat having me meet with this guy? Right. And then like, it's like, Oh, he does real estate on the side and he's, you know, credit investor. And like, like now it's like, Oh, like this, right. And then his net, right. And then his network. And then all of a sudden, like you're in all these different, like you're playing all these different sandboxes that was, you know, doesn't exist. And that was, you know, even in New York, right. It's like, we, we work with a lot of institutional investors and like, I can go see them all right here. Right. So like yeah. they can come see me. Right. So there's just enough um, concentration around the types of people that are, you know, doing things, right. Whether whatever business it is that it, it just helps things move faster. Right. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Proximity is power, man. Proximity is power. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like osmosis, osmosis exists people to people as, as a, as an introvert, what, um, how do you get yourself over the, first of all, there's multiple definitions of introvert, right? Like to me, what really sticks is if you get drained by your interaction with people, you're an introvert. It doesn't matter how social you are or whatever. Um, but because you get drained, I find that introverts 
will often like need to like pump themselves up to go give of themselves, right? Like what, um, how have you dealt with that? Like, have you, do you have any kind of like go-to like mindset that you go to or some kind of trick you go to just like get that rep in so that you're just in the flow and not thinking about it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an important distinction, right? I think that the maybe misnomer around introvert, extrovert is like introverts, like don't like to talk or can't talk. It's it, to me, it's the same. I share the same definition of you is like introverts give energy, extroverts take energy. Right. And, and it's exhausting to be around people if you're an introvert, whereas it's right. It's energy, it's energy gaining. If you're an extrovert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You should, you should have seen me at lunch right now with my wife. I was obnoxious. I was like, I, I was like, I'm like, I'll hopped up a Mountain Dew. Right. Yeah, cause, <laughs> you're, cause you're an extrovert. I'm an exaggerated extrovert. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I think for me, it's just like, I, I, I need to make sure that I, I, whether it's throughout the day or throughout the week, that there's like scheduled, like mat time, right. Where I can just like not be on a zoom call or I could not be, and I'm not in meetings or whatever, where I can just like decompress, right. And kind of recharge the batteries. It's not that I don't enjoy being around people. It's just like long extended periods of them get exhausting. Right. So I start I can, now, now I'm, getting more aware, I can start to feel myself getting cranky and short with people. And right at that point, it's like, let's break right before I, you know, say or do something that uh, won't be productive for anybody. <laughs> so you, you deal with it with like self-awareness and self-care sounds like, which, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 All right, buddy. You ready for my usual lightning round out here? Let's do it. All right. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what do you order? Oh man, this is a, this is a terrible question to ask. Cause like, I can't, I couldn't tell you the restaurants that I ate at last. I was in Miami last week. I couldn't tell you the name of one restaurant that I ate at last week. I'm like the worst with restaurants. Um, okay. I, got a, I got a great Miami recommendation list for the record. Okay. I wish yeah, we, yeah. we would have met last week. I, was, I just got back yesterday. Um, I'll tell you what I do. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big skirt steak guy. Like I love skirt steak. So like any, any restaurant that like serves up like good, a good skirt steak is, uh, is something I'm typically. Do you have a go-to in New York city that you go to for your skirt steaks fix? Um, no, I mean, we have the go-to like Asian restaurants, right? Like the Pad Thai restaurants and some different things like that. Like Spice is kind of a go-to that, that we get a lot. But, okay. um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is meant to be like a living, like recommendation of food and travel for people. I, so like that works. I, I also, I also, you know, um, I'm married for six years and like, she's the foodie. So like, is, even if I had a favorite restaurant, like I'm not sure I get to decide anyways, right? It's the compromise. Of the intro. I'm I'm familiar with that life, you know what I mean. Uh, Which is fine. Uh, she's, she's she's great with food, so it works totally, totally, man. What um, what? Give me like, what content are you most into right now? Like, this could be a podcast that you like listening to right now, a book that you're really into, your Netflix and chill series du jour. Like, what is what what content are you really into right now? Yeah. So I mentioned the five dysfunctions of a team, which if you're building team, I would check that out. It's top of my reading list right now. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm this is going to sound weird because we're on a podcast and um, I have two of my own podcasts, but I'm not a big podcast guy, like listening to, like, that's not how I, I, I can't learn that way. I found, so I'm more of a read guy. Um, I've been, I've been reading a lot of Ray Dalio stuff on credit cycles and monetary policy and kind of the, the changing world order, which is super fascinating to me just because of the amount of money that's being printed and debt that's being created. And um, uh, I'm super wonky and nerdy i guess about yeah you are fiscal policy so yeah. like, and there's there's a little bit of like history mixed into that and you know politics and um 
so I, he's been putting stuff out kind of on a bi-weekly monthly basis like in real time of like what does all this mean that we just printed three trillion dollars in the united states and so did the rest of the world right um, what does it all mean it's not good if it's not i mean it's not it's terrifying um you know if you if you believe kind of what you know some of his predictions are it's not good for the united states and it's not really good for the world so uh, it's one of those things i'm hoping he's he's wrong on <laughs> awesome awesome uh all right what is i don't how old are you man you said you graduated uh, 2007 so you're probably like early 30s 36 i think i just turned yeah oh, 36 all right cool um what is something that you believed to be true going into your 20s that you no longer believe um man i i um i think at, at 20 right like you're super worried about like what other people think right about you and like i said this on another podcast today like the, the what i would have shared with like 22 year old matt is like no one cares like no one's paying attention like literally like literally no one's paying attention to your life other than you right so like you know uh, do what you want to do, find out what makes you happy, wear what you want to wear, eat what you want to wear, live where you want to live, travel where you want to travel to. And like, no one's paying attention to you. Right. And like, yeah. I think we get a little bit caught up into what is so-and-so or who, you know, what are my friends going to think? Let me tell you what they're going to think of it. They're not going to care. They're going to be thinking about themselves. Yeah. They're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, that's so profound, man. Like, I agree, right? Like, I love that quote of like, in my 20s, I cared about what everybody thought about me. In my 30s, I stopped caring. And then like, in my 60s, I realized nobody was thinking about me, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so true, though. It's so yeah. true. So true. So this is kind of tangential to that, but different. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? Or like your favorite piece of advice you like to give people? Uh, best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Mean, that's really good. Um, I mean, I think I may have mentioned it earlier, right? There's uh, one, something that sticks with me always is my very first internship boss. The people are remarkably consistent over long periods of time was super, super powerful to me in terms of like, yeah, you know, friendship development, right. And different things like that, but yeah. also self-reflection, right? Like if I'm doing these patterns of behavior like there's usually a reason for that and i'm likely going to continue to do these things unless i understand what the underlying reason for that behavior is and choose to solve it there or not right so like it's been helpful in business right because it's like oh that guy screwed me on that deal it's maybe just he had a good story it's like no like that guy's gonna screw you on every deal right because like he's he's gonna be remarkably consistent over long periods of time in the same way, other way, right? Like this person's consistently delivers, like they're probably going to always consistently deliver for you, right? So um, I don't know, that's, 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 that's great. That's yeah. great, man. I recently had this guy, Robin Dreek on my podcast. I was like a FBI spy recruiter here in uh, like domestic Russian recruiter. Um, and he wrote the code of trust and sizing people up. He's got these systems about like how you align with people. And, and cool. his main thing is like, people will always act in their best interest. So people are very predictable because they will always act in their best interest. And if you can understand what their best interest is, then you can either decide to trust them or not. You can align with them or not. And, and that's how you create these like relationships. And that's the system he created. So it's right in line with what you said, man. And uh, super cool guy. I haven't yeah. released that podcast yet. Um, dude, before I ask you my last question, what is, uh, what's the best place for people to get a hold of you, to, to, to work with you, like um, promote whatever you want to promote right now? Yeah, so definitely check out fundatflip.com um, if you're, you know, in the in the real estate game and are looking for a reliable source of capital to help you scale up your business. We'd love to, to see if there's something we can do there to help you. 
Also, if you're a accredited investor and looking for alternatives to, to the stock market, um, we've got a really cool platform that you know you can invest in as little as 5,000 bucks per project. And we've also got some fund offerings now, um, typically paying eight to 10% return. You know, I, 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 I'm a big investor on our platform. So I, I write a series every, uh, every month called Dog Fooding, where I literally show my entire portfolio, right, that I've invested in on our platform. So um, a lot of your content, check that out. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Matt Rodak. Um, I think I'm one of the only Matt Rodaks on LinkedIn, oddly enough. But Rodak like Kodak. I like it, man. Like Kodak. Um, you said you have two podcasts? Yeah, so we do one focused on kind of the borrower side of our universe called uh, uh, REI Unscripted, Real Estate Investing Unscripted, uh, where we have people come in and talk about all the crazy stuff that happened to them, right, on different flips that like you could never read in a book. Um, and then we've got an Investor Insight podcast, which is more focused on our, um, you know, the investor side of our business, where we talk about different real estate investing strategies and we do deep dives on deals that we funded. We have different members of our team come in and talk about what they do within the company. So kind of a behind the curtains look at, um, you know, the company, if you will. And I love it. Different ways to invest in real estate. Yep. I love it, man. I love that content strategy, man. That's great. I want to talk to you more about that later. Last question I ask everybody, where do you find community? That's a good question. I mean, we talked a lot about the New York stuff. So again, pre, pre-COVID, I, I usually try to get out to a thing or two uh, a week or month. Um, you know, I've, I've really, I've really found this, uh, this accelerator program to be a great community, right? Um, Cause it's a lot of similar type companies that have going through, have gone through or going through similar type challenges or right wins or losses or whatever that is. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a, a pretty close group of, you know, co-CEOs that we either Slack, email, text, kind of get together once in a while and just, um, you know, sanity check, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Your little mastermind. Yeah, exactly. That's cool, man. Uh, Matt, you know, like I, I never get off without just acknowledging people for what I see in a man. Cause I think it's a really healthy thing to do. And even though we just met, it's, it's pretty clear to me that you are extraordinarily self-aware and it seems to me like you're like this, like natural born leader from everything that you're talking about, right? Like your, your self-awareness, your ability to take on responsibility, and how you come across makes you feel like a, like a real easy guy to trust, man. And so, you know, I just, I just want to say, I'm, I'm really happy that we connected, man. I'm, I'm glad to, that we're officially now in each other's networks and yeah. I can intro you to people and, and whatever, man. And, um, you know, pump that pump for PodMax for this opportunity, dude. And, and thanks for spending some time with me, man. This is great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me and appreciate the, the kind words. And, um, you know, this was a, it's a great conversation. It's a, uh, it's cool. Loved it. Thanks, Pablo. Sweet, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that, or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. 
I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me, and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place, I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.